And really ego is, is somebody who is selfish. Um, I think they do a lot of projecting on others and they make others tech technically feel bad to make themselves feel better. Where somebody who's confident and will say has good self-worth overall, they're setting healthy boundaries with others. They tend to not have toxic relationships in their life. They understand themselves. So they're usually like, they're independent. They're the person who doesn't have FOMO. If they decide to make a decision, they know it's best for them and they don't feel like they're going to be missing out from something. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, balancers, today's guest was tired of seeing the disparities between men and women after years of working in the corporate world. She became frustrated with the lack of educational resources out there to instill courage and confidence from the get-go that she wanted to do something to create foundational change for future generations. She has since co-founded the Courageous Brand to be a safe space for women to learn to be confident and how to know their worth. She also balances this with being a mom of two, and I'm really excited to chat about her mission, her community, and her life in general. So Amy Klein, a warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Me too, likewise. So tell me a little bit about the Courageous brand. What what does your community and your mission, I mean, I know I introduced it just slightly, but give us a taste of its of its essence. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it goes probably about, it really goes back to, to, to the, the origin of how we started, which was about, you know, seven years ago now, or six years, six, seven years ago, I was pregnant with my daughter at the time, Cal, um, who we are business partners. However, we have a, a we met in, in uh, this is like pre-BC at this point, in college freshman year. And I had been talking to her about the lack of educational resources because I was looking for some books and some things as I was pregnant. And she had already had her daughter, Madison. And it, it, it was sort of the fruition of what then became the Courageous brand. Me having success in corporate and Kelly having all this entrepreneurial success we wanted to really instill the core pillars of the company, which is courage, confidence, and the entrepreneurial mindset in the next generation of girls. Um, but there just wasn't a lot there. So we we launched with our, our children's book for girls, which is called Just Be You, which really teaches girls. It's pre-K to, I'd say, like close to third grade. It teaches girls um, really how to believe in themselves um, and celebrate their own individualities, but their friends too, which is super, super important. So we, so we launched with that book. And then from there came everything. It, we, we have our educational side. I'm sure Kelly talked about it. I won't go into all, but we have our Entre Girls Leadership Academy, just really teaching girls, you know, critical thinking skills, networking skills, leadership skills, all the things that, that really can help set them up for success, whatever that means to them later in life, but also how to build really good relationships with girls, with women and, and get that mentorship. Right. So then we had our educational side and then we kind of matched it with our, with our retail, which is kind of, which is where your courage. Beautiful. I think that's such a nice add on. Like, you know, we, we can talk about having confidence ourselves, but actually instilling that mindset of, of complementing one another and supporting one another is really important. And I mean, you would know, I've also come from a corporate background 
when you are in those teams and those environments, it's often, I don't want to say it's always the women that tear you down, but you often find it's less collaborative and, and more competitive than it is supportive. And I think we just haven't been taught from a young age to maybe draw a lead with with that in mind. So I think that's really beautiful that you're trying to instill that at such a young age. And I think it's such a gap of what we learn or don't learn at school, I should say. But if we niche in a little bit to confidence, I want to start off with what maybe you think are some of the most common misconceptions when it comes to confidence or people wanting to be confident, some misconceptions around yeah. what you think it might be? Well, I actually think that's a great question because as you were saying before, this part is like once we learn more, we'll do better. And I think that there hasn't been a lot of a, a dissection into confidence to better understand what you're saying, like the misconceptions. People just kind yeah, of throw it not. away. Right. So so the biggest one is that it's innate. It's not. Um, it's, it's, it's a muscle that you have to work on. And I think that when we're kids, when we were kids, there's this idea of an outgoing child versus a shy child. And that doesn't mean that somebody who's outgoing has confidence and the, the child who's shy doesn't, right? It's actually that confidence is a muscle that you're going to build in practice and doing what you like to do. And it's, and, and if you're shy, right, or you're, you're something that's not the way that it's, it's projected and looked at, then you're probably a lot of times more confident than some of the outgoing kids who are trying, right? So it's just, it's this whole idea that it, that it's, it's you're born with this and you look at those people and you're like, oh, those are the confident ones and I'm not confident. Well, I that's also good, that's good news for anybody listening who maybe feels like confident is not one of the top three or five words that used to describe themselves because it's not as though you can't obtain it. So that's good news. It's a hundred. Yes. hundred percent. I think it's also this idea that like confident people are always confident and that that you, you see somebody in the spotlight, right? So you think, oh, that person's in the spotlight, they're confident and I can't do that. When in actuality, confident people are confident because practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes progression. And so they're, they're willing to put themselves out there, which is another piece of our brand, which is the courage part. Because to me, courage comes before confidence. You have the courage to make yourself be put yourself in an uncomfortable position and you do it over and over and over again. And then that gives you the confidence to be able to do what you're doing. You start trusting mm -hmm. yourself. So I think that there's a lot of people that sit back and they're like, well, you know what, maybe I want to be in sales, but I can't be that person on stage, you know, leading all of these salespeople because I'm just, I'm not confident that that person who got on stage was probably nervous before they went out or has been doing it time and time and time again but they were at one point nervous. And then it, it also goes to the fact that confident people continue to challenge themselves. So while they might be confident at what they're doing because they've crafted it and they worked really hard in, on it, they go to something else and they're nervous again. So you're not, it's not like, oh my God, I'm not a confident person because I got good at this thing, but now I'm nervous to do this because I'm nervous to do this. I'm not confident. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. I remember reading this quote and it was like, you don't need the confidence to do something. You just need the confidence to start. But I almost prefer your reframe with you just need the courage to start because you can't start with confidence. It's, mm -hmm. I think unless it's one of those things that you just have a natural gift, a natural talent for, maybe then you already have the confidence, but you've started at the gift. You've started with perfecting something over time that all that comes naturally to you. But it's not something you just wake up and have. And I think if we reframe and start looking at it as the product of continued effort and progress over time, it 
it removes that shield or that need to be like, well, I'm going to wait for this to start. I'm going to wait for this to do it because it's such a lost opportunity, right? Like if we're sitting on our hands waiting to be confident, then we're probably going to be sitting on them for quite a long time. time. Yeah. And I guess you've kind of just outlined a few of the things, but if we are looking at someone, an archetype of someone who's confident, someone who knows their worth, how Look, let me reframe that. I think sometimes people are a bit scared of confidence or being confident at the fear of maybe coming across egotistical or a little bit up themselves maybe. So I guess my question is what are the defining factors of confidence that distinguishes someone from being egotistical? So I would say to back that up, I think self-worth is different than confidence. I think self-worth is somebody that values them. They all, they understand who they are and they love themselves and they value themselves. I think someone who's confident, it, it could go together. However, there's also people who are very confident because as you mentioned earlier, you said there's some people who had the talent, right? So it gives them the, they, they almost get like a head start. Let's just say you're a gymnast and you just naturally really good at it. You get a head start. So you're confident in the skills that you're doing for a particular instance for whatever it might be. Self-worth is something that I think like holistically you value yourself. And because of that, there are certain things that I think you can tell somebody who has self-worth versus somebody who is just confident at something. So yeah. when you get, I think that they can be two, two separate things. Cause I think that there's also, when we talk about ego, there's a lot of people who are very confident in that. However, they're like insecure in a lot of other ways, which then can look egotistical because somebody who's egotistical, I actually think is very insecure. They're not, they aren't, they don't have good self-worth about themselves and they're actually technically not confident. They might be confident in that one thing, but they've never stretched themselves. They've never put themselves in uncomfortable positions to uh, be humbled. Let's put it that way. So when that happens, like I think then that's what can confuse everybody else. Like, oh yeah, I want to be confident, but I don't want to be like that guy or mm-hmm. that girl, right? And really ego is is somebody who is selfish, um, I think they do a lot of projecting on others and they make others te- technically feel bad to make themselves feel better. Where somebody who's confident and will say has good self-worth overall, they're setting healthy boundaries with others. They tend to not have toxic relationships in their life. They understand themselves. So they're usually like they're independent. They're the person who doesn't have FOMO. If they decide to make a decision, they know it's best for them and they don't feel like they're going to be missing out from something. I think that like with, with self-worth all around between the health, healthy, bad, they're also very empathetic people who are, have great self-worth um, and are, are in that position. They're empathetic of others. They're not um, like I said, that, that ego person who only is selfishly worried about themselves because technically they're not confident. They don't have, they don't have good self-worth. Yeah. It, it feels counterintuitive to talk about it in that way, but I think the reality is nothing short of what you've just explained. And I really like that you framed it in the context of self-worth because I think for a lot of people listening, if we want to actually flip it, there have been many times in life, and like for me personally anyway, but I'm sure a lot of people listening can resonate where you actually pinpoint your self-worth on one thing. And yeah. when you do that, A, that's not real self-worth, but B, that goes to show the flip of when you're confident in just one thing, how it actually doesn't mean you have self-worth all around. So, for example, um, I mean, 
I have a, an A-type personality, which means I really like doing, ticking off a lot of things, achieving things, seeing my output. And there are a lot of times I have to catch myself out where I'm, my self-worth is almost dependent on my output. So if I don't yes. have a lot of output, sometimes that impacts my level of self-worth. And on the flip side, you could say then I'm super confident when I'm achieving a lot of things. And so it's almost at times you have to remind yourself that that single, singular like confidence in that one area of your life or that one particular thing you're doing is not equivalent to self-worth. And like you described it, it's a bit more of like a holistic approach. And when, when we talk about life balance on the show, it, it's absolutely about the synergy of all the areas of your life. And it's about moving away from putting all this emphasis in one category, because that's when you are out of balance. And I think that mm-hmm. the same analogy applies really nicely right now, speaking about confidence in general, and it's relevance to self-worth. So if you want to have a really balanced sense of self-worth, it's about looking at your confidence levels across the board rather than focusing maybe on just on one because it can be quite a empty sense of self-worth. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, that's a really, really good point because I would say people with a good self-worth, they understand that practice makes progress. Practice doesn't make perfection. So they're usually very at peace with where they are in their lives. They can look back at all that they've accomplished, know that there's a journey, to get to where they need to do, but they believe in themselves and they love themselves for who they are and, and, and they're going to keep going and they, they aren't defined by the goal they haven't achieved yet, which can mm-hmm. happen. I, I agree with you on people who are only confident based on checking each mark, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's shift the conversation a little bit. Let's say we have genuine confidence in an area of our life. We have really good self-worth. At the end of the day, life happens sometimes and we may hit some roadblocks where we don't feel so confident or like you, like you were describing yeah. it before, it's almost like you hit a new level or you try something new and your confidence gets knocked again, or you have to rebuild it or retrain that muscle because it's now being tested in a new category or a new area. I wanted to ask you, what are some tips or things you guys teach in the academy or just general principles you like to live by? Some really practical things that you have seen work in the context of building confidence or reconnecting with it. So I would say one of the biggest things, it's kind of goes with the children's book we wrote called Just Be You, is really having the courage to be authentic to who you are. Because when you accept who you are and you stop putting yourself in a lane, like I should be like Sally or I should be, I should be like Jen or I should be like her, you're able to actually build authentic relationships with other people and you're able to lean in to who you are. So there's like a, a lot of self-reflection that happens when you start being authentic to you. Um, you're going to attract the right people in your life um, and, and repel the people that shouldn't be in your life. And you're going to start really leaning into your strengths and what you're good at. Um, and I think that's a big problem, especially at a younger age when we look at like the Ancha girls is they think they have to be a certain way. And when you say, you know what, that's not who I am. Like I'm, I don't want to do cheerleading. I'm, I love basketball and I'm really good at basketball and I like it. And this is how I am. And the, 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 the everything after that, that tends to fall into place in terms of achieving the goals you want, um, being humble, being realistic. It's just having the courage to, to, to just be yourself is, is super, super important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I know for a fact that everybody listening to this episode right now is the kind of person who 
jumps at the opportunity to learn how to be more self-aware. Self-reflection and introspection is something that they're quite familiar with. But I always like to ask my guests on the actual practical ways they do that. So, and when I ask, say, for example, what works for you, Amy, it may not be the solution for what works for everyone. And, And what I always like to tell everyone is, to use these tools and tips, almost like having a toolbox. So at different points in your life or from day to day, you know, meditation might work, journaling might work, different tools to kind of be introspective. But it's just great to always hear what works or what is currently working for other people. So I'd love to know, I guess, how do you tap into that self-awareness, that introspection? What do you find really works? Okay, so I would, there's a a couple things because like the result of it as to what we were saying is, being having authentic relationships, being able to have the courage to be honest, right? With people, direct communication skills, all of that, having the courage to accept your weaknesses and know where you belong, know what you should lean into and know what you should, what, what you shouldn't do. I think it's, it's all like, it is sounds simple, but it's the truth. Like for me, I had to, from like a self-reflection standpoint, look at like what I call is like the foundation, right? Your childhood. So when you're in your childhood, you have to think back at, a lot of people get stuck. I'll call it, we're like in the stuck in this place of, I want to be in this position, but this person acts this way and this person's there and they do this and that's not me. I think a lot of it comes down to first starting with your childhood and asking questions like, what made me happy? What made me nervous? What uh, motivated me? What? So there's all those simple questions to look back on your childhood to, to understand because what happens is then you're going to see a theme when you're saying, this is what was great. This was not what's great. This is what motivated me. This is what made me nervous. This would be when you start looking and dealing with your feelings from being a child, you're going to see a consistent theme in your present. So now we're in a, we're in our presence, right? And it's like, why does this person bother you? Why does this, why are, why do you continue to do this thing? Why are you scared to try this? It's all going to end up aligning. So I think the biggest thing, the biggest piece of I could advice I could give from, from my own experience was, was starting with your childhood to see the consistent themes that are actually disrupting your, your price. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, absolutely. And oftentimes, it's those limiting beliefs. It's the core beliefs that were formed when we were young children that have just grown up with us and we haven't addressed them or just given them space and airtime. And so for you, do you like to do this in terms of like a bit of a, because sometimes for me, I only journal when I get like an urge to, and other times it's like more mental conversation in my mind. I actually sit through and like think through things. So I'm just curious to know kind of what, how do you actually go through that process of, or let me rephrase that because I, I understand like the work you've done, maybe deep diving into your past and that for me happened in therapy, right? So it wasn't like yeah. a sit down one afternoon and just debrief with myself. That was a bit more of a deep dive. But just in general, like if you're doing a bit of introspection or, you know, you've noticed something come up for you that's triggered you, how would you generally, or how do you like to go about kind of being introspective? 
Yeah. So for me, again, this is a, a personal to me, but I, um, so I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid and I am in, and they, they've changed all the things and I'm not a doctor by any means, but like when we were growing up, it was like hyper hypo. And now I think it's all one. I can't keep up with all the stuff, but I was, I was diagnosed hyper because I just had, that's just what I was. I have a lot of passion. I have a lot of energy. I, I was really, it was hard to like rein it all in for me. And so for me in therapy, the best thing for me to do every day, because I read like, you know, this is going way back, didn't really understand my feelings. And so I needed to do at the end of the day, I'm not a journaler, like I'm not going to write it down. I, I talk here because that's what works for me. So that's why I'm just giving my example that the, a therapist or someone could tell you, hey, write down what was the peak of your day, what was the pit of your day and why to better understand your emotions. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. We're going. But I do it in my head before I go to bed. And that really helped me for years. That's how I got in touch with me and my emotions mm -hmm. was saying, okay, this is what was great today. Why? For me, this is what, what I didn't like about today and why. And I was really able to figure, like, understand myself a lot better by, by doing that. Yeah, I think that's awesome. It's it's just leaning into your strengths, right? And once yep. you have that awareness of if you tend to always write things down, then that's probably a good outlet for you. Yeah. Yep. If you I'm very much the same, I'm always in my own head. And so asking myself those questions, having an internal dialogue helps me put together my the concepts that feel scattered. They kind of come together. Correct. Uh, some people like doing it. Uh, I don't know. Drawing. And it could be meditation, or... right? So it's like yeah. we're saying it's verbal. There's also writing it down. You also could just need every day, like it's a block for yourself to go there to self reflect. Yeah. Like I can't yeah. meditate. It's just not for me. You know. What yeah. I mean? But but it's good to know that there's so many different ways and there's so many different outlets to get better in touch with yourself. Absolutely. I want to ask you something now, which is kind of on the other side of self-confidence. And it's in the context of us feeling intimidated by somebody else's confidence. And I just wanted to ask you, what can we draw or learn or understand about ourselves in moments where we feel triggered or potentially intimidated by somebody else's confidence? That's a little bit of a loaded question, but I guess what I'm trying to understand is in the very niche context of someone else's confidence intimidating us, what can that potentially teach us about our own level of confidence? Or just, just in general, right? I'm thinking in the work context, sometimes this comes up a lot. And I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. So I think that you'll find, and again, like, I think everything, I'm a big foundational person. Like, if you go back to your childhood, you could have the best childhood in your life, okay? Or the worst childhood in your life. If you go back to the beginnings when you're, when you're the most uh, impressionable, right? You're going to see that a lot of the themes that you have today are linked to things in the past. So, I, I remember, I think I was, I can't remember... I think this was like a, a therapy thing on like the chakras in it. And when you feel in, I listened to all these things, but like when you feel that in your stomach, like you're mad. So you're scroll, let's say you're scrolling through social media, right? And you're like, Oh, oh I don't like that. Or I don't like this. There, there is a lot to that, that, that tension that's happening inside you. And if you just step back for two seconds and you just rationalize, like why would some random person bother me this much? And you start looking, we'll say work. You want to look at work? Guarantee there's going to be a theme in certain personalities that bother you. 
Guaranteeing when you're on social media, there's going to be a theme of what's what's bothering you, upsetting you, making you feel bad. And if you just always go back to the origin and the beginning, you're, and it doesn't matter. You can have the best childhood in the world. There's going to be things that have happened in your impressionable years that are making you feel this way that you need to get out and re- recognize that those are the things that, for whatever reason, are making you feel this way. So Mm -hmm. I I guess for me personally, it's always been trying to understand what had made me think this way. Like I know a lot of people say, okay, if you don't like who you're looking at social media, just block them. You don't need to see them. I personally don't think that. I think that you have, it's all projection and you have to figure out internally for you, what is upsetting you so much about whatever you're seeing or that worker that you're working with or whoever you're going to school with, something is bothering you there and you need to take it back to the original foundation of it all so that you can figure out what that is and work on it. Yeah, absolutely. Because really when you start doing that work or you start thinking in that way and bringing that awareness, you realize that if you block that person, the next person that fits the bill or is the same trigger point, it's just going to have exactly the same result, right? You're going to be on the same thing. And if you want to reverse engineer that, because I know for a lot of people, the concept of thinking back to their childhood and kind of pulling things apart, doing that on your own is quite intimidating. And I'm a massive advocate for help and therapy and whatnot. But if that's really intimidating, but you're interested in it, happy to get your input on it, Amy. But like, if, if you just start bringing awareness to what triggers you, let's use the social media example, or you could even cross that over into people at work, friends you've had in the past. If you start to actually just make a little mental mind map and work out what the commonalities are, then when you have that, you could probably then anchor that to your childhood. If you can't start at the childhood, I think you'll definitely notice similarities. So for me, for example, when I did this, and this is the only reason I'm kind of offering this up because it was something I did. I noticed that there was a string of certain friends that I would always attract or be drawn to. And they were, and I'm consider myself to be quite a confident, outspoken, like very much strong personality. But I found there was a few, a period of my life where I was attracting these personality types as friends that were super controlling, that would almost make me a dulled version of myself, which was a really strange compliment for my personality. And so when I started to notice those personality types, it helped me understand, okay, where did that actually originally come from? What is it about those personalities that I'm drawn to? Or actually, you know, when you're just like blocking yourself by attracting those personalities, like what is it about this dynamic? And then it helped me work out like underlying beliefs I had about myself. So what I'm trying to get at is when you pull apart things that are bothering you in the present, it can kind of help you find the map or the anchor point from the very beginning. Yeah. I, um, and I don't know this, this was either, that's what I keep saying. This was either therapy or somebody like Tony Robbins or somebody said this. So I want to make sure they have credit for where credit's due. They called it lo- like low hanging fruit. Right. And so the, the first place to start, because sometimes you can't just be like, okay, let me, and let's just say your childhood wasn't great. You can't just go right there. That's that's going to be hard. You have to start doing things, the, the things that you can flip quick to, to get more to the core. So it's like, as you feel that feeling, or like you're saying, you're attracted to these friends, th- these little things where you can be like, why am I doing this? Let's let that go. That's like, why am I? And as you do that, it will get deeper and deeper, but the low fret hanging fruit is a great way to start is, and it's being more conscious every day in your day, which is why I do like, however you need to do it. What was the best part for me that way? What was the best part of my day and why? What was the worst and why to bet, to get better in tune with my feelings and start flipping things that were easy, 
right? The hard stuff is going to be the hard stuff, right? But there are a lot of easy things that you can flip pretty quick. Absolutely. And it just conditions you to start building that awareness muscle. Because again, like confidence, it is a muscle. And so if you start bringing that awareness, it actually doesn't become easier, but it becomes a second nature where you actually just start to question things, becoming aware of your feelings and whatnot. And that helps you kind of piece the whole picture together. Yeah. And I like to say it doesn't become easier, but it comes becomes better. Yeah. So, and it becomes a part of almost your thinking, right? Like, yeah. so you have a thought, but then you'll be a bit critical of that thought, not critical. You'll be, you'll be pondering on that thought. You'll, you'll be an observer as opposed mm-hmm. to just accept that as yourself. You'll be like, okay, hmm, that's interesting. You get curious, you know? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've had a lovely chat today and I have learned a thing or two. I know all of the balancers listening would have as well. So firstly, a big thank you for your time. I know it's early Monday morning for you. So I appreciate you slotting us in as the first thing of your day. And if the listeners would like to connect with you, follow along the journey, even, you know, have a look at the Academy a little deeper, the courageous brand, uh, where can they do so? And I'll pop some links in the show notes. Sure. So you can find us on Instagram at the courageous brand. Um, same thing for TikTok and the same thing for LinkedIn and, and Facebook. You can also check out our education side, which is um, thecourageousbrand.com. And our retail side is givehercourage.com. Amazing. Well, I'll pop links to all of that. Thank you so much for your time.